Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. We are in week three of our sermon series that we've been calling Friend Request. It's our kind of annual August sermon, uh, sermon series on community and the value of living in intentional community. You can see how kind of we teed it up, how these little things that we have in our pockets, these smartphones, which how many of you still have flip phones here in there? Anybody still have flip phones? Two people. You're the smartest people in the room. All right. Smartest people in the room. Most everybody else has something like this. And these things have changed everything for us. For this little device in our pocket, there's more technology in this little box than there was that took Neil Armstrong to the moon. It's crazy to think about. Because of this little device, if you choose to have a Facebook account, you choose to have it installed on your phone, you are instantly connected to, if you want, to two billion people across the globe. That's right. A quarter of the world's population is registered on Facebook. If that doesn't frighten you, I don't know what does. If you choose to be on something like the dumpster fire of Twitter, where people are just yelling at people all day long, it's cat pictures and yelling at each other. That's all it is. (laughs) Nothing in the middle. If you choose to be on Twitter, think about this. 400 years ago, if you wanted to write a letter to a world leader, it would have taken four or five months, especially if you had to travel across ship, across the Atlantic Ocean, to communicate with a world leader. Now, you can just tweet at them within seconds, direct access to leaders. It's crazy to think about. We are the richest, most comfortable, most connected human beings ever in the history of the world And right now, especially in our society, in our culture, and especially in America, we have a loneliness epidemic. Sociologists all say the number one problem in America isn't whatever whatever the news is telling you these days. The number one problem that's fueling everything else is loneliness and how people are engaging with these instead of with other real people. That's the issue. And we believe here at our church that this ancient book called the Bible, it's made up of 66 separate books that's over 2,000 years old that took 1,500 years to write. That's in ancient Hebrew and ancient Greek and ancient Aramaic that there's actually ancient wisdom in this book for what ails us today in our society. That somehow, someway in this old book that there's healing found in these pages for our land and for our people. That's what we're talking about during this series for friend requests. Now, uh, one our verse that we've taken, that's kind of been our theme verse for this whole series. It's kind of what we've been doing here at Community of Hope lately is we pick one theme verse for the whole series of talks. Uh, it comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 46. And what we're saying is that this is the clearest picture of the first followers of Jesus before there was any bureaucracy around the church. Before the church had any buildings, before the church was even an organization, it was just a movement of people who loved Jesus and loved others, and they changed the world. And this is the clearest picture of what people call primitive Christianity. Not that they were in caves primitive, but the earliest form of Christianity. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. We're going to have it on the screen. Let's read it out loud all together. Ready, go. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They lived. We're going to come back to that later in the talk. Very important. 
Good. Many people drawing. Thank you for listening to me and not just staring at me like, nice try, preacher. I ain't doing nothing. Okay. Appreciate that. Okay. Draw a little box. Very good. Okay. Now, for our passage for just for today, what we're going to focus on comes from uh, the letter to the Galatian church. It's a book called Galatians. It's in the New Testament in the Bible. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there now. If you're not, don't worry. It's on your notes. And so what this letter is, uh, real short, it was written in 48 AD. It was written by a man named Paul, who was one of the most influential Christians of the first century and turned out to be one of the most influential followers of Jesus ever. Paul wrote this letter to a church he planted in an area called Galatia, which uh, now has really been lost to antiquity, but you can go see kind of where it was in the modern-day country of Turkey. And this is the concluding remarks he's written to this church that he founded, that he started, he planted. Galatians 2, or excuse me, Galatians 6, starting in verse 2. Paul says this, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something, when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows... To please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So our title for today's message, we're calling Share. Share. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we recognize your presence that you're here in this room. You are not an idea. You are not a dead philosopher. You are not, you are not a dead moral teacher. You are a living, breathing Lord who rose from the dead and is here in this room now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that you are here. And Lord, I just simply ask this, that you would speak to all of our hearts, to everyone in this room and everyone streaming online and anybody who might listen to this later on some sort of recording, and that your Holy Spirit would come soften our hearts and hear exactly what you're whispering to us through these ancient words of your friend, the Apostle Paul. Bless our time together and grow us to become more like you. It's in your name we pray and everyone said, amen. Well, I want to uh, start by telling you guys a story about summer heat. Now, I'm not going to complain a whole lot about how hot it is right now in South Florida, but holy cow, it is hot outside. Does anybody here not like to sweat? Yeah, lots of people. We live in South Florida. We're gluttons for punishments, right? We're not going to talk a lot about how hot it is right now with us. Uh, because there's a difference between complaining about a certain type of heat and how annoying it is. There's one thing about complaining, and there's another type of heat that's not just annoying, but actually dangerous, where it can actually be deadly to people. I want to talk to you about what's known as the Chicago heat wave of 1995. Have you ever heard of this before? The Chicago heat wave of 1995. Now, Chicago is a wonderful city, 
Who loves deep dish pizza? Sauce on top. If you haven't had it, you haven't lived yet. So good. Chicago's a great city. Um, and in 1995, ironically, like this is not some older story before they had, you know, all, whatever we have today from the 1800s. This is 95. Bill Clinton was president. People were on the internet with a, you know, AOL, people playing video games. This is modern day story, okay? 1995, there was a massive heat wave that hit Chicago. Now, Chicago is not as primed to deal with heat as we are in South Florida. Surely people have AC in Chicago, but it's not like down here. It's very different. They're not prepared for something like that, especially what's known as the Windy City. Even if it's hot, at least there's a breeze to take it out. Well, in the summer of 95, between July 12th and July 16th, not only was there a heat wave, but there was also no wind, and Chicago baked. The official temperatures reached about 106 degrees in Chicago, but at the airport, the heat index spiked to 120 degrees. And because people were all cranking the AC that they did have, there were rolling power outages all throughout the city, and what turned into just hot and annoying turned deadly. Coroners initially found that they thought there was over 400 people dead, but when all was said and done, the official count of people who died during the heat wave was 739 people in 1995 in Chicago because it was hot. Wild, right? Tragic, very, very sad. Now, many people, um, because of this phenomenon, this epidemic that happened, they did a little bit of research on it. There's a man named, let me get his name right, Eric Kleinberg, who wrote in his book, Heat Wave, listen to this, A Social Autopsy of Disaster in Chicago. Because in his studies of what happened, he found something interesting and fascinating. See, there was many, many neighborhoods who were hit by the heat wave. And as you would expect, it was some of the poorest demographics of Chicago that were hit the worst by the heat wave. It's just tragic. But interestingly enough, there were three neighborhoods of the same exact demographic as all the other ones that suffered horrible losses same status, same economic status, same demographics, same groups, types of people in these neighborhoods. One, all these neighborhoods over here, horrible death rates. And these neighborhoods over here had some of the lowest rates of death in all of Chicago. And yet everything about them was the same, except one thing. You want to know the difference was between these three neighborhoods and all the other ones? One word connection connection this researcher said that in these three neighborhoods what they had was a social infrastructure where people knew all they knew their neighbors and they knew where everyone is they knew who was sick who was old and who was on their own and they decided to be come upon themselves to do wellness checks these neighborhoods looked like this mr smith i just want to come check on you how you holding up is everything okay Mrs. Jones, is everything okay? I know you're on your own. Do you need anything? How can we help you? Hey, your kid's doing okay. We have some food over here. How can we share? They just connected with each other. And interestingly enough, the difference between life and death was relationships and supporting each other. That was literally the difference between what was dangerous and what was deadly. It was just if they were connected in community or not. And see, this tale tells us exactly what the Apostle Paul echoed 2,000. So let's take a look at it. Galatians 6.2. We're going to just dissect 
this passage of Scripture, piece by piece, for our time here this morning. Galatians 6.2 says this, carry each other's, if you're writing, or if you're writing stuff, taking notes, whatever, underline this word, burdens. Carry each other's burdens, and this way you fulfill the law of Christ. It's interesting. What do you think Paul meant by burdens? Perhaps Paul meant it literally. Like friends should help other friends carry things. Like friends help friends lift heavy things. Friends help friends move, right? Think about it. What is the heaviest thing you have ever asked a friend to help you move? Let me show you mine. Uh, This is a picture of a bookshelf. Yeah. Now, uh, I have moved a ton in my life. I've moved three times in five years that I've lived here. We're finally in a house that we own. We are never moving again in Jesus' name. I've moved lots. Of, I've helped lots of people move going to seminary back. And when I was at Florida State, everybody moves in and out every single year. I've moved a lot of people, moved a lot of heavy furniture. This is the heaviest piece of furniture I have ever lifted in my entire life. Before my wife and I moved into our house, um, she found this awesome piece of furniture on OfferUp. She's the queen of OfferUp. Hey, baby, she's in the quiet room. Ah, good to see you. She's the queen of OfferUp. She got it for 50 bucks, y'all. Not bad, right? It was originally a wine rack, but we envisioned it as a bookshelf because pastors need bookshelves. I'm just, we read a lot. We need that. And so what she told me is, here's the deal. I bought this bookshelf. How cool is it? I bought it for your office. Yay, yay, yay. It's an hour south of here. Oh, no. And it won't fit in her van. Oh, no. And it won't fit in your little hatchback. Oh, no. And so uh, Pastor Dale heard that I needed a truck. And he said, oh, well, Trev, do you want to borrow my truck? Now, if you know Dale... You know he loves, Dale loves his truck. When Dale washes and waxes his truck, he speaks tenderly to it and tells it how much he loves it. When Dale handed me the keys to borrow his truck, he said his favorite catchphrase just for me, Trevor, don't jack this up. All right, just, I heard it again, okay. And so I took the truck, it was an hour south, and I had no idea how heavy this piece of furniture was. Me and this other guy and the woman who was selling it just struggled for 45 minutes to get those three pieces into the back of Dale's truck. Heaviest, most cumbersome thing I have ever tried to lift in my entire life. It was horrible. But we finally got it in the bed of the truck. We got it strapped down. Everything is good to go. I go to take the tailgate. Now to drive back. Boom flop. That's weird. Go to grab the tailgate again. Boom. Falls down again. Won't latch. Oh, no. I keep pushing the tailgate. No. Please. God. No. Please. God. No. See, Dale is like a really nice truck. I mean, his tailgate has like a backup camera in it and everything. This is nice. And it won't close. I've jacked it up. Oh, no. And so I did what any thoughtful, reasonable, level-headed person would do. I got in the car and immediately called not Dale, but a friend of mine and said, help me, 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 help me. I need to, I need, I need your help first off to get this heavy thing out of the truck, but it's so heavy. It broke his truck. And whatever you do, whatever you do, don't tell Dale. 
And so my friend met me at my house. What a good friend. He met me at 10.30 at night. He drove all the way out from Loxahatchee. I told him to bring his tools because he knows how to fix trucks. So we're going to load this monstrosity out of Dale's truck, fix Dale's truck, and hopefully everything will be fine. So we got to my house. We pulled one little piece off. And as my friend is walking up with his toolbox, I take the tailgate. And just to confirm my demise, one last time I was going to open and close it to show my friend how it didn't work. And what do you know? Boom. Click. It stayed. God is real. <laughs> it was actually what we discovered was the, those pieces that you see there are so absolutely monstrosity. I have a master's degree. <laughs> they're so heavy. They're so heavy. It jacked up the alignment of the tailgate of his truck so it wouldn't even close. That's how heavy they were. But all is well. We took everything out. All is well. No big deal. I looked at my friend and said, wow, thank you for coming out anyway. Thank you so much. And please remember, don't tell Dale. And what did he do? Five days later, he told Dale. Yeah. I need new friends. I really do. Now, why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you this because I had something heavier to lift that night than the bookshelves. And I called a friend because there was something heavier that I was trying to carry than what I was actually trying to carry. You see what I mean? See, here's the deal. Carrying each other's burdens is really about sharing our problems and our pain. If you look at that word there, when it says carry each other's burdens, that word in the ancient Greek and in the Bible, it's only used like two or three times for literal weight. All the other times it's used, it's meant to be figurative because the heaviest things in life aren't things. The heaviest things in life are the problems and pain we all carry. Am I right? I mean, for instance, like, what are some of the problems we all carry? Well, there's all sorts of stuff people carry. I mean, it's a problem, and it's a heavy weight to bear if you're a young single mom. That's a heavy weight. Maybe if you're trying to learn how to parent in a digital world when you can have access to all the information ever in the history of humanity, and you're supposed to give this to a 12-year-old, that's hard. Learning to care for an aged one, an aging loved one that you have, that's hard. Or if you have a mom, you have a student going off to college, and you're anxious about it, that's hard. And then there's some other problems that are a little bit more serious that are even heavier than those, like trying to learn how to manage your money because you've blown it all and you're in five or six figures debt. That's a problem. Or like if you're addicted to a substance or a habit and you can't stop, that's a problem. Or can I say it? If you have a sin in your life that's entangled you and you can't get out, that's a problem. And more than just problems which are heavy enough, even heavier than most of our problems are when we're going through pain. Like if you're carrying an old wound from decades ago that just won't fix itself because it's not true that time heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. Sometimes we carry pain from a hurt. Sometimes we carry pain from a loss. Like if you've lost a friend or a parent or a spouse or a child, that's a crushing weight people try to carry. And you know what's true about all of this is that the lightest burden to carry for somebody is their stuff. Anybody can help carry a bookshelf if you get enough people. 
But what's even heavier is problems, and what's even heavier is pain. And the heavier your burden gets, the more love it takes to help somebody carry it. See, it's about this figurative stuff. Now, let's go back to Galatians 6, 2. When Paul says, carry each other's burdens, that word carry there, if you're underlying underlying the word carry, that there, that verb is meant in the imperative, which meant it's not, oh, if you think about it, help somebody carry their burden. What Paul is really saying is, if you are a follower of Christ, you must learn to carry each other's burdens. Now, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, if you're just checking this out, if you're a skeptical type of person, you're not sure, you get a free pass on this. You don't have to do this. This is for Christ followers. But you can try this and see how it might benefit your life if you do learn how to do it. See, what Paul is saying there is that this is a command. That carrying each other's burdens is a command for Christ followers. And I want you to remember that when God gives a command, he's not being a killjoy. But when God gives a command, what he's really doing is giving you the best way of life possible. It's not something for you to fulfill. It's the lane of life that leads to life and joy and peace. And we need commands like this to learn how to carry each other's burdens. Because just a little pop quiz internally in yourself. When I was talking about problems and pain not two minutes ago, I bet most of us were thinking about our problems and pain. Right? But really, this verse is learning to think about other people's problems and pain. Now, I'm not here telling you that you need to deny yourself and pretend you're not hurting and pretend you don't have problems. That's not what we're talking about. What this verse is trying to help us do is to lift our eyes off of ourselves and to look around us. Because these things unintentionally make us deeply selfish. Like often when I'm on my phone, I'm looking at social media, I'm clicking out articles like seven ways to feel happier in life. Five foods to eat to lose weight, which is ironic, like eat to lose weight, whatever. Or, you know, like 25 reasons why beards are awesome. Or, you know, <laughs> you don't read those? Oh, no. And we're always thinking about us because this makes us consumers. Even if you're seeing media about other people, you're still consuming it for you. But this verse helps us get our eyes off of ourselves and look at other people. I shared two weeks ago at the East Campus, I don't know if Pastor Dale talked about this, that many psychologists and counselors and therapists are all confirming something, that when people in 2019 are coming into their office with self-diagnosed depression, saying, I'm depressed and I need help, what they're finding is that most of those people, not all, some people really do have clinical depression, and thank God for doctors and medicine and therapy, all that's really good. I'm not, I'm not downing any of that. Most of people aren't actually clinically depressed who come and say, I'm depressed. Most people who come to a counselor say, I'm depressed, are actually suffering from what's called chronic loneliness. It's because they're not connected, and they're feeling the side effects of that, and so therefore they think they're depressed when really the thing they need to do is to make connections with other people face-to-face. Growing up in my home church, uh, the pastor of my church, his name was uh, Reverend David Landers, great man of God, just love this man. He was ahead of the curve on this. And whenever anybody would come to his office and say, uh, Pastor, I'm, I think I'm depressed, what he would say to them is, 
Okay, God bless you. We're going to deal with that. Let me ask you, are you volunteering anywhere? I said, no, actually, I'm not. Are you serving anybody? Uh, actually, no, I'm nice. Okay, let's try this first. If we need to go to a counselor, if we can refer out, we can do all, we're going to get you all the help that you need. But first, I want you to go find somebody or find an organization to just go serve and then come back and talk to me how it is. More often than not, that would break people's depression because it gets your eyes off of your burdens, your problems, your pain, and onto other people's. And what do you know? One of the best remedies for depression is learning to pick up someone else's struggle and help them carry it. We need commands like this because they lead to life and joy and peace when you walk in God's ways. We're supposed to carry each other's burdens. And there's this logical phrase in there that substantiates the claim it's making. It says, carry each other's burdens, Galatians 6.2, for in this way, in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is how Jesus loved us. And there are countless Ways that Jesus expressed his love for us by his sacrificial death on the cross for our behalf. There's too much to talk about this morning, but there's one wrinkle of what Jesus did to show us his love on the cross that I want to show you here today. This pertinent for what we're talking about. It comes from Matthew chapter 11. And this is one way that Jesus loved us. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is exactly what it feels like when someone learns to bring their burden, their problem, and their pain to the cross of Jesus. It's like having a massive burden strapped to your back that you can't take off, that you can't get off, that you can't cut off, you can't get rid of. And yet when you come to the feet or to the foot of the cross of Jesus, the guilt that we carry that won't go away, the shame that we carry that won't go away, the pain and hurt that we can't drink away, the sorrow that's stuck in our hearts when we come to the foot of the cross of Jesus by the grace of God and the love of Jesus Christ, these things begin to just fall off of our backs and the burden becomes taken away. No matter what you bring to Jesus, no matter what weariness, what heaviness that you brought in here, if you feel tired and weary and burdened and there's a weight on your back and you're having trouble breathing because of it, there's a God in this place whose name is Jesus who's strong enough to carry every burden you brought in this place. This is what it feels like. The joy to have Jesus lift our burden because of the cross. And this is how he loved us. He loved us by carrying our burdens. Now, here's the key. This is very important. (laughs) Jesus loved us by carrying our burdens. But Jesus carries our burdens through his people. He does it through the people that he has indwelled in by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
You could see at the end of our, of our passage. Galatians 6 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Carrying our burdens and carrying each other's burdens, guys, is really about Jesus carrying our burdens through his people. See, there are some of us here today who have burdens and problems and pain and hurt. Some more serious than others. Some more heavier than others, but they're still real. Some of you who brought those things in here, some of you who have those streaming online and listening and watching me right now, some of you need to hear this, that if you want Jesus to lift your burden and oh, how desperately he wants to carry it for you, he's going to do it through his people. And so you need to get around some of his people. And for the others of us, remember, this is about taking our eyes off of ourselves. And some of you are like, I'm not strong enough as a person to help carry somebody's problems or somebody's pain. I'm scared to that. I have enough going on in my own life. I already feel exhausted. I already feel out of gas. How do I fulfill this command? You're not strong enough to carry somebody else's burden, but Christ in you is enough to carry somebody else's burden. And there are people around you in your life that Jesus is waiting to carry them, but he's ready, he's waiting for you to step up to the plate and say, Lord, use me. That box at the top of your notes, you thought I forgot, didn't you? That box at the top of your notes. I want you to think about one name of somebody that God might be calling you to help carry a burden of theirs that's going on in their life right now. And before you leave here today, write that name in there. This is why we do things like support groups at our church. All the support groups and the topical groups are so important because this is the way where we have customized community for people's burdens that they're carrying, no matter what they may be, in a variety of different ways, because life hits us at all sorts of different angles. Here's my encouragement to you. This is not an announcement. This is me being your pastor. Some of you, when church is done, you need to go out to the porch and look for a group because you have some burdens and you need help. And for some of you online, as soon as the service is over, you need to go to communityofhope.church and go to our groups page and find support groups and topical groups to help you. And others of you need to go and look in your connect folder, go out on the porch and read through these groups because there might be a person in your box that you have written down who desperately needs the help and the burden-lifting help that these groups can offer like Pearl. There's somebody in your life who may need you to see a support group or topical group and say, hey, you call a friend. Hey, I'm, I know you don't even necessarily go to church. You might not come to my church. And, but listen, there's this support group that I think might be really helpful for you. I know, I know it's been a struggle. And man, I just want to be there for you. And by the way, this isn't just me telling you about this group. How about if you, like, I know this divorce you've gone through. I know it's been really painful. There's this thing called divorce care at my church. And how about we go together? I'll go with you. Are you interested? Some of the people in your life are waiting for you to make a phone call, offer an invitation, and offer to go with somebody to help lift a burden. They need it. And Jesus is waiting to do it. Amen?
Amen. If you're able, would you please stand for closing moments? So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to offer a quick prayer. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? And if you feel comfortable, why don't you put your hands out in front of you just like this. If you don't feel comfortable, don't worry about it. It's not magic. It's just a posture of prayer. And pray this silently to yourself. Lord, I give you my burdens. Whatever they may be, give them to God. And pray this prayer silently to yourself. Lord, use me to carry another person's burden. Thank you, Jesus, for carrying our burdens in your great love by the cross. Make us burden carriers through your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Friends, we're going to have a prayer team up here. If you need prayer for anything, go check out support groups and enjoy the band. They're going to play the classic Lean on Me. See you guys next week.